Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Well, welcome to week two of our series on house rules. And last week, we talked about all the one another's uh, in the New Testament. And how that when we one another, one another, it can change the climate, the atmosphere, not just of the relationships in our home, turning our house into home, but man, it can have a powerful dynamic in any level of relationships. And this is how we ended last week. I invited you in. I'm like, I don't want this to just be, hey, learn up here. I want all of us to learn from you. And kudos, uh, we got a lot of good stuff. And I want to share a few of those with you today. Bob Redcake told us this. Bob, you said, to own my own percent of responsibility or blame in a situation that didn't go well. And I'm like, oh man, amen to that one, right? Uh, the way that I learned this concept is if you don't own a slice, you won't play nice. And if you're ever counseling anyone and it's all like, oh, it's all their fault. You know, it's my husband's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my coworkers. My classmate. If you don't own a slice, you just simply won't play nice. You have to understand the role that you play in it. Man, that is just great wisdom for house rules. Uh, Tori told us this. She said, clean up after yourself and each other when necessary. And Tori, like, I am with you. I love that. Uh, a phrase that I used over and over again in my home, I loved it. No one else did. It just didn't work. But my phrase was always this. If you don't have time to clean up the mess, you don't have time to make the mess. And if you don't get that, just think it through. You'll figure it out, all right? And then Sharon gave us this. She said, listen, and she underlined that, like bold, listen, talk, love, and forgive. And that is just solid wisdom for having healthy relationships. And I want to jump off from there today and ask you that question. Do you want healthier relationships? Do you want to take your relationships from where they currently are with your spouse, your kids, your co-workers, your classmates, your whatever, and make them even healthier? Is that something that you desire? And end of today's message, I'm going to give you one question. Just one question that if you begin to ask on a regular basis, it's going to help to change the climate, the temperature, the culture of your relationships. It's a question that is so simple, but yet so powerful. It's so foundational that anytime we talk about relationships, I want to bring it up. It's so important that every staff, uh, part of their own boarding process to be part of the Crossroads team is watching these videos on how to be a great staff or create a great staff culture. The question is foundational to all of that. You understand that there's always a tension. There's a tension between the real and the ideal. In your relationships, man, this is what you want your friendships to be like. This is what you want your marriage to be like. This is how you'd love to interact with your parents or your siblings or your kids or your friends. There's that ideal. And the real doesn't always measure up. There's this gap. There's this tension that's created. And our tendency is often to just explain it away, uh, to justify it or rationalize or even to minimalize it. Or even 
worse to think that it will resolve on its own. And we'll say it in the same place like this. Yeah, my relationship with my parents isn't what I want, but that's just the way that it is. Sure, my marriage is far from what I've dreamed, but everybody else is like getting divorced. We might be miserable, but we're miserable together. Doesn't that count for something? I had really hoped my church family would be different. Really wanted a place where I was part of something bigger than myself, a place where I could belong. But I just feel more like an observer at a distance. I know that I'm supposed to love my kids, but they're just making it so ridiculously hard. My friendships are lukewarm at best, but I can't change that. And you get that tension between the ideal and the real. As you're a follower of Jesus, you know that you just can't ignore it, minimize it, or justify it. You want to lean into it. You want to try something. You want to close that gap. But what do you do? What do you do in relationships when you want to close that gap? What are some other things that really work? What are some house rules that you can apply? I want to give you some words, a starting point. And I'm going to be upfront. These are words that no one wants to talk about. So thanks for being with us today, right? Here are the words. Mutual submission. See, I told you nobody wants to talk about that, didn't I? Mutual submission. I mean, just come on, this Thursday, around the Thanksgiving table, try this one on for size. Hey, guys, let's talk. How can we mutually submit to one another? Come on, let's just like brainstorm a list. All of a sudden, it gets really quiet around the table. Hardly anything gets put on the brainstorming list. You take the same topic, mutual submission, and you just slightly change the question. And you say, how can you submit to me? Now, it can get awkward, but if we're honest, we all of a sudden have a list. How about after this meal, while I go take a nap on the couch, you clean up the table in the kitchen? Oh, I have an idea. The dog needs a walk. It feels like 17 degrees outside. You take the dog for a walk. That's a great example of mutual submission. Oh, I got one around the Thanksgiving table. Here's how you can submit to me. Three days from now, when it's down to the last piece of pie, you leave that for me. And we could just take and we could come up with all of these brutally honest and awkward conversations for mutually submission. But that word submission, it just, come on, if we're honest, it feels un-American. It feels antiquated. It feels out of touch with a modern society. And it feels unrealistic in a culture that is all so office on me, what I want and when I want it. And some even find that word to be degrading or offensive. And honestly, a lot of pastors, I mean, they just won't talk about this. They'll just avoid the passages that 
deal with this. But that's not the kind of pastor that the Apostle Paul was. I want us to go to Ephesians 15, and that's where we're going to be camping out today. If you have your Bible or your Bible app you want to follow along, Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be starting in verse 15. He says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And often that's where we stop. We don't go to the next verse. Let's just stop there. There's just a lot of good stuff there. Paul has given us lots of good stuff, instructions for how to live like Jesus. Don't be a fool. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't get drunk with wine. And then when it's Thanksgiving time, right? We always focus here. Come on, Thanksgiving. And give thanks for everything to God. And that's all really, really good stuff. That's really good instruction. And I mean, if you haven't done it lately, a great exercise this week is just to make that list of gratitude, to cultivate that attitude of gratitude. This past Monday in staff meeting, we did what a lot of you were going to do around your table on this coming Thursday. Everybody said, hey, just take 10 minutes, go away, get quiet with God, come back. And here's what I want. Just think over the past 11 and a half months. And come back with three things you're grateful for. It could be, you know, your church family, your ministry, your job, whatever. And come back with three things you're personally thankful for. It's a simple gratitude exercise. I want to give you just a few of their ministry things that they highlighted. Several staff mentioned, because it was so recent, they had to, right? The many harvest celebration wins, including the heightened interest in loving and reaching our community. A couple staff members said something like this, my volunteers and how they go above and beyond every week. Our ministry leaderships and our teams, what all they do. One of our staff mentioned this, is new excitement in ministry. And one of my lines read like this, I am incredibly grateful that September 2022 felt much more like September 2019 did. Right, everything sort of going back for the most part in the right direction. And cultivating this gratitude list is so incredibly healthy. But I want us to go to the next level. I don't want to be a church that avoids that whole mutual submission topic. I don't want to be a church or a pastor that wimps out and stops at verse 20. Because this next part, man, it is what can really change the relationships in your life. So deep cleansing breath, everyone. Verse 21, I give you. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, go further, next level living. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And right now you might be thinking, Doug, can we just go back a few verses? Let's just sort of camp out on that don't get drunk on wine thing. 
I mean, I want to know if there's any loopholes. Uh, is it okay if I get drunk on beer or on hard liquor? I mean, can we just sort of focus there today? And the answer is no, no, and, and no, right? Uh, we're going further. We're going to the next level. A house rule. You and I were designed to mutually submit to one another. All of us are designed by God to mutually submit to one another. And catch the why. Out of reverence for Christ. Because come on, there are times where you, there are times where I. I'm certainly not worthy of submitting to. We submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. We're designed by God for this whole thing of mutual submission. And this idea of mutual submission is simply this. I'm going to leverage all that I am. Who I am, my strengths, my talents, my resources, my network. I'm going to leverage who I am for your benefit, not simply for my own benefit. And mutual submission is God's standard for healthy relationships. Do you understand that? Leveraging all of who you are for the benefit of people around you. The people that you love the most. The people that you come in contact with throughout the week. Even the people that annoy the snot out of you. Leveraging all that you are for their benefit. Not simply for your own. Not because they deserve it or they're worth it but out of reverence for Jesus Christ. It's God's standard for relationships. And mutual submission, mutual submission is the ideal that can change the real. Your real and your ideal might be worlds apart in different relationships. Mutual submission can help to close that gap. And it's usually about this point in this teaching that some of you are thinking, but what about? But come on, Doug, what about? Isn't there still like an org chart? Isn't there still like hierarchy? Isn't there still moms and dads? Isn't there still head of household? Isn't there still like, you know, the boss or the employer? Isn't there still, and you just fill in that blank? And the answer is yes, all, all of those things still exist. All those things still exist and all the authority and the responsibility that go with them. But it's no longer leveraging who you are for your own benefit. It's leveraging all of that, your position. Because some of you, you have more position. You have more influence. You have more power. You have more privilege. You have more whatever. And the more that you have, the more that you are called to mutually submit to those around you that have less to help to lift them up, get underneath their burden, to be in that kind of a relationship where you are for them. You're not leveraging all that God's blessed you with just for your personal gain. It is to be for one another. For one another. Let me put it like this, that whole question, that detail. Jesus constantly served those around him. No one, no one was like, oh my words, Jesus, you washed my feet. 
You took on that lowly position. I must be the boss of you. Everybody knew that Jesus was in charge. But he constantly submitted and served those around him. And the message of mutual submission is this. Regardless of where we land in hierarchy or the family or relationships or the church or whatever, the message of mutual submission is at the end of the day, I'm here to leverage who I am to be used for your benefit, for your sake. No one in our family is more important than anyone else. We submit to one another. No one in our church is more important than anybody else. We submit to one another. Nobody in any relationship is more important than anyone else. We submit to one another. And Jesus is the model. Took on that lowly position of a slave, a servant, is what Scripture tells us. And gave up his life. And there's, he got up underneath our burden, up underneath our sin. He gave and leveraged all of who he was. Power, privilege, everything. He leveraged all of that for your benefit and for my benefit. So as you evaluate the people around you, evaluate your boss on this standard. Evaluate your parents on this standard. Evaluate your spouse on this standard. Are they leveraging their position of all of who they are and all their resources for the benefit of others or is it simply for their own personal gain to get what they want when they want it? And then Paul goes on and he takes and gives us this very practical application into what mutual submission can look like in our marriages. And further, submit to one another a reference for Christ. And he goes on, for wives, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, nobody threw anything at me. We're doing good. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit, should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Let's start with husbands, right? Husbands, do you get this? Husbands, do your wives know that you would give up your life for them? Do they really know that? I think a lot at heart do. I mean, come on, here's the scenario. Tonight, this is a nightmare scenario, I'm sorry, but it's a nightmare. Can't you stick with me? Tonight, tonight, you're sleeping in your home. Suddenly there's a sound of breaking glass. It's like, you know, 3 a.m. Husbands. How many of you will shake your wife awake and say, honey, go check that out? <laughs> None of you will, right? You just naturally get it. You're jumping up, you're grabbing a weapon, and you're moving towards the sound of breaking glass. Because you will give up your life for your wife, for your kids. Come on, this is how I will often say it. And some people 
know this about me. You go after me. You go after me. We're going to have some fun. I love conflict too much. You go after my wife. You go after my girls. You will meet a Doug Bender you never want to meet. It is that straightforward. And my wife and my girls know that about me. So ladies, if you know that about your husband, if you know that he will give up his life for you the same way that Jesus Christ gave up his life for his bride, you and I, the church, can you begin to understand the context of what Paul is asking of you? Can you see in the broader picture, he's asking of you what he's asking of everyone in verse 21. We're all to mutually submit to one another. He's asking of you the exact same thing that your husband's already doing. Do you begin to understand the beauty of mutual submission? This is a lovingly beautiful powerful concept that our world and our culture just so often doesn't get. But it is a dynamic that will change your marriage as you start to understand, as you start to get this and live this out. So mutual submission says, I see what you're going through. I see the burden. I see the pain. I see that you've had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, and I'm here for you. I'm going to leverage all of who I am, my power, my position, my influence, my network, for your benefit to help you the same way that Christ helped me. Let's drop down just a few verses. Paul goes on to teach this in the marriage context. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Paul is simply explaining that we're not all the same, that God made us differently. Women naturally get how important it is to love. They just naturally love. Men naturally understand the importance of respect. And when you begin to get this, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your relationship, just not in the way that you interact with your spouse, the way that you interact with people of the opposite gender in the workplace, and your school, your kids, your parents, your neighbors. My favorite book, marriage book, and man, I've probably done north of 20 books or small group studies on marriage. My favorite one, some of you know this, is the book Love and Respect. And that book is taken from this foundational principle of verse 33 and mutual submission. The author asked 7,000 different couples this question. Here's the question. When you are in a conflict with your spouse, 
Do you feel disrespected or unloved? Now just pause there. Answer that in your own head. Come on, when things are tight, right? When you're going at each other, when you're in conflict with your spouse, do you feel disrespected or unloved? This is what he found. 83% of men feel disrespected. 72% of women feel unloved. The identical situation, the identical conflict, but how they view and how they feel are totally different. And for, I do need to say, this isn't a 100% rule. Do you see that? You might be married to the 30% or the 20% where it's flip-flopped. But as a whole, we're just wired differently. Women love to love. Paul doesn't need to command them to love their husband. They just naturally get that they do that. Men understand the importance of respect. Guys, have you ever thought that through? If you want to get into a fight with another guy, right? Just say you're in a mood, okay? You're in a mood, right? And you're like, I want to get in a fight with someone else. Steve, would you stand up for a moment? <laughs> Steve, I think in a bar fight, you might be able to take me, but it'd be fun to see the results, right? <laughs> so Steve, you're at a bar having fun with your friends. I approach you and I say, Steve, I don't love you. <laughs> yes, what's gonna, he's going to laugh at me, right? He's not going to take a swing at me because that doesn't hurt you at all. You're like, oh, thank you, dear Lord, that Doug doesn't love me. You might just feel better. But if I start to disrespect you, if I start to go after your manhood, your family, I'm going to get underneath your skin real quick, aren't I? I'm picking for a fight. I love you and I love your family, Steve. Thank you. You get that, don't you? It's just a natural peace. Men, if your wives don't know that you love them, what do you have to do this day and this week so that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt how much you love them and that you would give your life for them? That you want to get up underneath their burden, their hardship, their pain, their whatever for the benefit of them to help them out. Women, wives. If your men don't know that you respect them. What do you have to do today or this week? Ladies, in some ways, you have a harder job. I mean, come on, guys, we can go, we can go to Hallmark if they still exist. Well, there are tons of choices that we can get for our wives that talk about love. Women, all your cards talk about loving your husband, and you need a card that talks about respect, right? But there's some incredibly real ways that you can show respect to your husband or to the men in your life if you understand how incredibly important that is. So I promised you a question. A question that just wraps up this whole idea of mutual submission. Uh, a question that can change the culture of any of your relationships. A question that we own here as a staff at Crossroads, I live it out in my marriage and in my relationships. The question that can change everything. How can I help? How can I help? Is that simple or complicated? Simple. Is it easy or hard? 
hard, <laughs> right? Because if you're going to ask the question, you got to be prepared for the answer and you got to be willing to leverage all of who you are to come up underneath and to help out. So how can I help? Asking that question over and over and over. What can I do to help? It's a game changer. I mean, come on, kids, don't wait for your parents to ask you something. What would happen if you said, hey, how can I help out? If like today you went up to your parents and they hadn't heard the sermon and you just said, hey, how can I help? They might think, they might wonder what's wrong. How much money do they want? What do they do now, right? You would have all these horrible thoughts. Parents, you got a lot going on, you're busy. It's so hard to get and understand what it's like to be a teenager or a kid in today's culture. What if every day you just slowed down and you made that space, just get at eye level and just say, how can I help? What can I do to help? How can I leverage? Who, all of who I am, my resources, my work, how can I help you thrive in life? How can I help? How can I help? I want to go to a sermon action point. If you're online or if you're in person, your connection card reads like this. Because this is a tough one for some of us. We, we can do the second part of asking the question on a basis. I struggle more with the first part. If someone asked me, if asked you, how can I help? What would be your answer? It's good to think this one through in advance. I'm giving you bonus time. Because if it comes up in the car or later on at home, you'll be prepared. How would you answer that? And how can you begin to extend your influence, leverage all of who you are by asking the people in your life, how can I help? And I love the things you're submitting about house rules don't stop. You can write them on your connection cards. You can email them to stories at crbic.org. And I want to give you one more. Bossy family. Family rule. Golden rule. No devices during dinner. Everyone stays at the dinner table until everyone is done. And when this gets messed up, you just rinse and repeat and start over, right? Bossy family, we get you. We understand this. As a matter of fact, that question, when somebody asks you later on, how can I help? Your response might be even this Thursday. Would you just put down the device? Would you just turn off the screen and be in relationship? Father, we thank you for the teaching of Ephesians 5. Maybe take some time this week just to give thanks for all the many ways that you have blessed us. But may we not stop there. Could we go to that next level? Just begin to understand and live out that concept of mutual submission. That the people around us that we're in relationship would know that we are for them, that we're going to leverage who we are for, for their benefit, for their gain. And may you use that concept like you have used it so much in the past thousands of years to grow relationships to a new level of depth and intimacy for a new sense of belonging that begins to form. Let me take that very simple question of how can I help and ask it on a daily, regular basis to those around us. Holy Spirit, give us strength to follow through on those answers. 
give us strength to know and how to best be for one another, showing love and respect is needed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org. Thank you.